Hello, welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. This episode is brought to you by Axiona Energia, proudly bringing solar power to Union County and the Buckeye State. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with Mac Cordell, reporter, and Kayleen Petrovia, reporter. No Chad this week. It's just uh, the three of us. We are going anarchy. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to fall apart. No, it's. Um, this is actually uh, – what we're going to talk about today is uh, something that we actually considered talking about last week as this has been something that you, Mac, have written about uh, in the paper already um, and will write again. Absolutely. Uh, uh, and probably will continue to write about as this develops or doesn't develop uh, depending on how it goes. But uh, we wanted to talk about uh, a new proposed uh, development going in on the east side of town as well as some other things. Um all pertaining to growth and stuff coming into the area. So I want to talk a, a little bit about two developments in specific. And these are both significant developments that if approved and if they move forward as planned, will have a significant impact on the community in two different areas and in two different ways. Uh, the first is the uh, Connect Realty uh, project called the Silos at Marysville. And it is a, uh, it's about, I think, 15 or 16 acres in the north end of the city's uptown and would include um, the heritage, the former heritage silo uh, land, as well as the city's water plant land um, and some other, uh, what's affectionately referred to as this crazy Scottish property, <laughs> right. um, it, you know, as well as kind of some other properties, the Sakura. uh which is the old Herschel's. Right. Um, right. Like that's <laughs> Tell a, us what everything used to be. I know, right? Well, that's what it used It used to be this thing. So When you um, hear 15 or 16 acres as opposed to 500 or 1,600 acres, you know, you're wondering, oh, that doesn't sound like a very big amount of space, but these are existing businesses or, or businesses. And, and to find 15 acres in the – in the city's uptown area, right? Like that's, mm -hmm. It feels like a lot yeah. more uptown than it would a 15-acre development in, a, it, in an agricultural yes, space. Absolutely, yes. In York Township, a 15-acre project is, you know... Somebody's it's, yard. Yeah, it's a, big, it's a big yard or a barn. <laughs> um, here it is. In the uptown, it's a big project. Um, the project would include um, a mix of uses. Uh, there would be some offices... There would be uh, some uh, retail, maybe, and some hospitality. So it, it looks like they intend to put multiple restaurants and or bars, um, maybe one that's a more regular, I suppose, and one that would be more of a high-end restaurant and or bar. Um, some thoughts of strengthening the silo. And uh, putting a kind of an arcade type venue inside the silo, um, some rock climbing, a what would pins or a 16 bit down in Columbus, um, sort of an adult style er, arcade. Um, and when you say the silo, you mean the large building that will be remaining in that yes, spot, yes, 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 as the, opposed to um, the stuff that's been torn down or will be torn down. Yeah, no, no, no. It is. Uh, it will. Be, it's an actual silo. And and um, one of the things that the city council has said is we'd really like to see that silo remain. It has. It's part of the city's skyscrape, I guess. <laughs> right, you skyline. Know. Uh, skyline. Yeah, absolutely. And so they'd like to. Um, have that remain. They, they want to put those things in. And then there would be 250 to 300 uh, apartments 
in that area. Uh, the apartments would be, according to the developer, affordable. And I say affordable in quotation marks. Okay. Uh, there is a – because the developer is going to take advantage of some state and federal available dollars, there would be a formula that the that they would have to use to create and determine the rent for those apartments to continue to make them affordable. It would be based on the um, average median income in the area. I believe it's the average median income right. uh, in the community divided by, you know, whatever, 12, and then multiplied by whatever percentage the state says should be spent on housing. Um, but at this point, we don't have... <laughs> a number. Sure. We know that there's there's a formula they're supposed to abide Correct. by. But we don't know if that will result in $1,200 apartments or a cap of $2,500. Right. So Th- that's the issue. And I think, you know, there's also some fear in the community. And I don't have anything to confirm or deny these fears. But th- there's a fear that the project will get approved with the assumption that they will use those dollars. And then at some point, the developer will say, eh, that pro- that um, grant or that assistance uh, maybe isn't for us. And so they will forego using those dollars, and that would remove the prohibition on kind of unfettered mm-hmm. rent. Right. Um, so all that to say there is a formula in theory uh, that would cap it. The Connect Realty, their specialty is kind of taking old, dilapidated, I don't even want to say dilapidated, but old uh, historic buildings that maybe have fallen into disrepair, like the water plant, like the silo, right? Um, You know, the silo is 70 years old. The water plant is more than 100 years old. Um, Taking those and converting those into usable space, again, using federal and state dollars using a, a variety of kind of local tax incentives. And and they use programs that a lot of developers don't want to use because they're a bit of a hassle. Because again, if you use this, you have to cap your rent at that. If you, you know, if you use this program, you have to preserve so much of the the natural and the historic character of a building. Right. And some developers just think that's nah, too too much. So uh, connect. That's kind of their specialty. They have several projects down in Columbus. One is the um, what they call the trolley district. Um, that is in I think the Linden area. Uh, one that's I forget the municipal light building that's down close to I believe um, Lower Dot Com Field um, where the soccer team plays. I think it's down in that area. And there are some others kind of that they're working on. Um, but this is what they do. They create you know, mixed-use development out of these historic buildings that nobody else wants to touch. And when you talk about this development, I know we said the 15 or 16 acres is a lot of space in Uptown. You mentioned the 250 to 300 apartments. Are these, you know, what you think of as an apartment complex where it's all clustered to one space, or will these be different buildings spread throughout that side of town? No, that's a a really great uh, question. The... The apartment will be on the east side of Main Street, kind of on the north end of the complex. Um, the kind of the southern end is going to be that uh, retail and um, office, those gotcha. things. And then, so it's not necessarily 
one big building where it's retail and restaurants on the bottom and then hundreds of apartments on top. <laughs> it's more, it's hard to visualize right. when you haven't seen something like that before and right. you Especially can only see what the existing thing is. So, and, and the existing stuff is kind of scattered. If you, mm-hmm. if you think about the location, you know, where the silo is going across, you know, the Creek and then you're kind of moving up, there's stuff in between what these properties would be, um, what they're eventually going to be and what's currently there. So all of the apartments will be on – it's the east side of Main Street and will be um, north of the creek and south of the creek right. uh, because there's not a there's not a good rendering. There's just sort of um, – Conceptual. Conceptual. This and area. Yes. That, it's very <laughs> pillowy. This is generally where the we think space. we might – Yes, where we might want to put it. So I don't think anything's in – in stone at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is the kind of the, but they are kind of all clustered in one group. I think there will be multiple buildings, mm-hmm. um, but I think they will be, uh, one of the things they've talked about is that the apartments will be uh, a lot of glass, a lot of kind of uh, walk up, but internal walk up maybe. Um, ha- they look like nice, you know, nice apartments. Um, a lot of them are going to be built kind of elsewhere and then brought in and can, you know, kind of put together so that they can be up very quickly. Um, and, and they've talked about, you know, there is a need for obviously apartments in our community. We have a 0% vacancy rate for our apartments in this community. And the idea of some apartments that would be or could be affordable is, is helpful. Additionally, it will kind of put a, a gateway to the city's uptown, it will be at the north end. So if you're coming off of 36 and and want to come down into the community, this would be kind of a gateway into the city's uptown. And I know that um, that idea of kind of redeveloping what we already have is very popular with most of the current city council. Um, but I don't know what the future city council is going to think of of this development which will begin in weeks at this right point. at this point um the the developer connect has said they are going to ask for a 100 percent 30-year tax increment finance agreement that would defer tax payments to the schools and the you know the, the library 911 mental health all of those things and um would divert that money to the city and the city would then use it to kind of repay, connect for any infrastructure improvements that they make that would be necessary to make this all happen. So obviously there will need to be some infrastructure improvements and connect is going to make them on the front end and then the city would pay them back using, using, the TIF using those TIF funds. Right. So have there been any discussions at this point if there would be a pilot payment to the schools or any effort? to help make the schools whole. And I know a lot yeah. of other entities are affected by TIFs, but I feel like at the, least the in the city is of Marysville, 70%, to 75%, yeah. We really recently have seen the effect of TIFs on the school district. Right. Yes, so. and they're vocal about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and and uh, school board president Sue Devine was at city council last evening, and she talked about this, that uh, Connect has sat down with the school board, has talked about this project, and has said they're going to ask for the TIF, but has said that they will create a a pilot with a payment in lieu of taxes. The entity 
would make the school district whole, like would make a payment to the school district instead of paying their taxes. This, nothing set in nothing stone. Nothing is set in stone. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, and and uh, President Sue Devine talked about that, that yes, they've sat down and talked with us. Yes, they've said they want this. Yes, they're going to ask for certain other things. No, they have not given us any numbers. So um, I think the schools are, you know, cautiously optimistic that you know, they'll be able to kind of come up with a satisfactory agreement. Uh, but those numbers they've said won't come until sometime in the next year. And um, I do feel like that's encouraging because yeah. I feel like we've seen a lot of developments that there really isn't Completely even a discussion. Even, right. Of, there's no thought of mm-hmm. what this is going to do to the school yeah, district. It's a and gesture and, of good faith, at least. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yet to be seen how everything will shake out. Yes. And how good a faith it is. It's so, <laughs> it's so early that we don't have rent numbers so it's kind of a lot to expect that every number would be nailed down at this point. But I think it's good that they're at least, when discussing TIFs, considering the impact on the schools at this point. Yes, yes. And we again, we are at a very preliminary state for this because they're not even, they don't even have a development plan. Essentially, the legislation in front of council right now is asking council to <laughs> agree that if things work out, they will let Connect make this development. Um, because right now, the water plant is owned by the city. The silo is owned by the city. So um, they're just asking, the only thing that's part of legislation right now is, hey, if we can make this all work, will you agree to let us move forward with plant. It's not approving the plan. It's not approving the design. It's not approving the pilot. It's just simply, hey, you can have control over this for a time long enough to see if you can make plans. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go from there. Um, and the connector said, hey, we've been working on this for a year, but we are hesitant to move to actually create drawings to create those financial plans right. and do the do the legwork. I mean, it, it's going to take time and effort to come and up money. and <laughs> money, right? And money, sure, mm-hmm. uh, to to decide what those pilot payments would look like. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. going to take a lot of you know number crunching and whatnot, legal and all of that good stuff. So, if the city, if this is a no from the city. There's no sense for Connect to even go through the process. And I think that's what they're trying to find right. out. So I do have a question when you talk about these properties that are currently in the ownership of the city. If Connect is permitted to move forward with these plans, so say the silos are turned into this kind of adult arcade or entertainment space, uh-huh. is it going to be this land is given by the city to the company that operates this and then the company profits off of what was formerly city land or does the city maintain ownership of this no it would the ownership would move to uh to connect realty and then connect would sell it to or, or would man, or, or would operate and manage it i don't i don't know what connects plan would be a private entity yes. would then profit off of this correct it okay. would not be the it wouldn't be the city's and which is not really the city's job to manage and maintain, you know, an adult arcade space. Right. So I'm not trying to say that, but I do think maybe that's one of the sticking points that people are considering. Oh, this is land that the city owns and when the city converts something into recreational space, generally it's shared and no one's profiting yeah. off of it, you know. Correct. So I think I understand as exactly, an incentive yeah. to develop and to have this, you know, 
like favorable thing created here, at least in the opinion of counsel, if they move forward with yeah. it. I understand kind of the give and take, but I do think it's sort of interesting. Like, oh, we want this here, so we'll relinquish any power over it moving forward. But uh, you are you are correct, and I do see you know there is some consternation with folks. Um, and the the answer, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying kind of the answer to that is that the silo site needs a, a considerable amount of remediation. Mm-hmm. And the water plant, there's a kind of a big sludge pit. That is not a property that just anybody can go in and tear down the buildings and put up a new building. It would take a lot of remediation to make that a buildable site. Mm -hmm. And someone's going to have to come in and do it. And if Connect is willing and able to do it, then, then it will make that land profitable. Because right now, the silo site... If the city owns it, the city's either going to have to put a lot of money into turning it into something usable or it's going to sit there vacant. Right. The water plant is either going to – somebody's going to have to put a lot of – the city's going to have to put a lot of money into making it – moving it from greenfield to green space. Um, and that's not cheap. The good thing with – I mean, <laughs> Connect, that's kind of their thing is they understand how to do these things. They've done them in the past. And – the number of developers that want to get green or brownfield development and turn it into something usable is limited. And so um, I think the city's hands are a little bit tied because, mm-hmm. well, we got this. We got typical this, opportunity. Right. We got this old beat up car. We can't do anything with it, but this guy could turn it into something and, mm-hmm. you know, and it would right. ultimately turn into tax dollars for the city. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you, you give away the car to get something mm-hmm. on, the, on the back end. So, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And I'm not personally saying I think there's anything wrong or right or the perfect way to move forward. But right. I think it is an interesting proposition for residents at this point in time when maybe there's been some hesitation about growth or just more people are paying more attention to it. Yes. For, the city to say, sure, we'll give this developer land that we own. I think <laughs> without knowing all of the intricacies of it, it can seem like, whoa, that doesn't seem right to me. No, I, I think you are 100% on on par, on brand. And, and I think these are conversations that are happening among city council members and among, you know, the community, I think. so. Not to mention that, you know, with the TIF, there's, the, there's always that, you know, worry about the schools, worry about the other things. And this is another one of those situations where – you know, the whole incentivizing of a business to come here. It sounds like they're interested in coming here anyway. Um, yeah, I, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure Connect um, is interested in just coming here. I think this is a site that they like that fits what it is that they mm-hmm. do, yeah. their particular niche. Yeah. And so it's definitely appealing that this is a company that's like, no, we we actually this is what we do. Right. So I think that's cool. And I had never heard of the trolley district or the, the municipal yeah. light building right <laughs> until uh, until Connect kind of showed up. So I started to look at these things. They are I mean, they're really interesting projects. They are um, they're fun. They're modern, you know, that. It is a, a really interesting use for facilities that were built. You know, you look at the water plant. It has a very specific structure that worked mm-hmm. for being a water plant, but eh, there's not really a whole lot else. You know, you, right. you look at it, it doesn't fit for a whole lot. restaurant or something. Right, right. Um, 
you can't make apartments out of it, really. So right. um, the idea of having somebody come in, this is what they do. This is They know what they're doing. Fingers crossed they know what they're doing. Uh, but it certainly seems like they know what they're doing. You know, I, I see the appeal, but I also see, you know, those concerns of, hey, there's 250 apartments. Um, and they are going to be uh, largely studio and one-bedroom apartments, which tend to not be student generators. Um, but you know, A, you never know, and B, you know, that just frees up homes in the community to, you know, maybe larger homes that would be student, you know, generators. So, uh, you know, it's hard to look at down the future and say, here's what the impact for the schools would be. Those are kind of, that's the, that's the summary of the Connect um, development. That one's called, called, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, it's always hard for me to keep up with all of the the conceptual names of development. So what was that one called? The Silos at Marysville. Okay, well, at least it goes with what it is. So. Yeah, no, that one that <laughs> You one can't really lose does. track. That one does make sense. Ah, people say the Silos at Marysville. It, all right, you kind of... A pretty solid reference point as to where that, uh, where that is. The other significant development is called Marysville East. And also, it is on the east end of Marysville. It is on Watkins Road, and there are multiple phases of this. There's at least three planned annexations. One is already in front of council. Another one will be in front of council probably in January. Uh, There's at least a third annexation. Um, I don't know when that will move forward, but that will likely move forward Within the next year, I would anticipate the first annexation um, would be uh, on both the north and south side of Watkins Road. Um, I suppose we could say – I don't know that this – maybe this is just me. When I first heard you talk about this, when I think of Watkins Road, I think of outside, you know, going kind of – not parallel, but like Industrial Parkway, uh, out past 33 and all that. This – section of Watkins Road is the Watkins kind of going out of town by Lowe's. Yes, yes. That side of town. It would be adjacent to the Watkins Glen apartment complex. Right. Right. There would be about 36 or so acres of multifamily apartments that would be- Is this just the first annexation or in total it would be? No, this is the, the first annexation and this is before council right now. Gotcha. Um, the the total the total area is I think 350 acres, okay. so a significant. And Good then chunk. the second annexation is 200 and I think 60. Um, and then the third annexation I don't I can't recall it, but I'm as kind of mm-hmm. I move forward maybe I'll, it'll come to mind. But um, hundreds of acres, hundreds of acres also. It's right? pretty big. It's pretty big. Yes, um, <laughs> it is. Uh, being developed by Rockford Development, Barrick, um, but also the New Albany Company. They've done, obviously, a lot of work in New Albany, and that's, I think, what they want this to look like. Uh, it's multiple annexations, and it would be a master-planned community, sort of like uh, Jerome Villages, where you have you know multiple annexations, multiple pods, but it all fits together. It is one plan, and then kind of specific development within within that one big plan um but for um 
phase one, I suppose we'll call it annexation one. <laughs> Again, there is about 36 acres of apartments that would abut the Watkins Glen apartments. It would be some buffering and whatnot, but it would almost be a continuation of the. I think there's another. There's, there's yeah, one, then there's what. There's Watkins Glen apartments and then the condos next to okay, it. Okay, yes. So that this would then be, you know, right. It would just kind of all flow together. Um, and then there is a an innovation district that is is huge. It's going to be 200 and I want to say 250 or so acres, about 160 acres south of Watkins Road, between Watkins Road and uh, 33. And then another... I don't know, 90-ish acres above, uh, north of, above, <laughs> north of Watkins Road. On a map. Um, yes, between Watkins and um, the old railroad line. Uh, if you know where it is, you kind of know where it is. <laughs> but um, we've done a lot of, you know, the old so-and-so. <laughs> right. uh, but would be between Watkins and that railroad line. And then there is a kind of a small... Uh, area for single-family homes. It's about, uh, I want to say it's 15 acres, 14 acres. They're saying that that won't be developed really anytime soon. Uh, I think that goes more along with annexation number three. Um, that, you know, those are going to be, annexation number three is going to be the a significant chunk of single-family homes. And I don't know the number, but I know the acreage and in hearing Bart talk about it, he talked about it very, very briefly. I think you're talking hundreds of homes, um, not dozens. And so, you know, that's kind of where that is. And then next to it, kind of moving, continuing east on Watkins, the second annexation would be uh, east of the first and would run between that first annexation and essentially the Buxton Meadows uh, subdivision further east on Watkins Road. Um, and it too would largely be what they're calling innovation district. Um, it, that could mean a lot of things, right? Um, council wants to be very certain that it doesn't mean warehouses. And, and the developer has been very specific that he does not intend there to be any warehouses in that area. He wants it to be sort of high-end, either either light manufacturing, but more than that, potentially research and development. Um, innovation. Innovation, right? Yeah. Innovative stuff. The question was, well, how do you ensure that? And and the developer was, you know, pretty open. He said, you know, it's hard to, but we don't want it. We're not going to recruit it. Um we're going to, if it comes, we're going to reject it. And here, the proof of that is that they're going to have a a community authority in that whole development. That whole master plan will be under a community authority. The community authority has the power to essentially levy taxes. So homes will pay between four and a half and five mils for property value into the community authority. Uh, in everything in that innovation district will pay nine mils into all the commercial all the commercial gotcha. yes everything not residential will pay nine mils into that community authority that will give the community authority money to care for kind of the common space 
to buy additional land to create trails and parks and do all of those really nice amenities to put up uh, the fencing. They're talking about having the you know the black cross fencing the the entire around the entire perimeter. They're going to have um, multi-use trails throughout the development, but also that would connect to the city's current trail system. The money that goes into that community authority will allow the development to do some of those those things. And I know uh, with I don't know if this would be the case, but I would imagine perhaps somewhat similar with Jerome Village, mm-hmm. the community development authority has its own development standards yes. associated with it that are actually at least in some cases, have been higher than the development standards applied in the rest of right. Jerome. So I know other developments have come in and touted, we're going to abide by the Jerome Village development standards. So I don't know if maybe that's kind of an aesthetic incentive of yes. having this community development authority too. I, I, I think you're I think you're 100% on brand. And uh, a community authority has kind of been described as a homeowners association on steroids, Right, like it is. Not only are they obnoxious about the standards, but they also uh, levy taxes. So, a business wanting to come in would not only have to want to be here, but would also have to agree to pay an additional nine mills of property tax just to be in the development. So, for a warehouse, there is warehouse land available cheap all over. You can go to Groveport. You can go to Grove City. There's land in Marysville if you wanted to put a warehouse in that you could probably get a warehouse in, right? Hilliard, whatever. You can go to a lot of different places and put a warehouse in. So the idea of a warehouse coming in and paying an additional nine mils just doesn't make sense. And that's where the developer is saying, hey, this additional tax, for lack of a better word, this community authority fee will actually weed out a lot of the uses that we don't want. You're really going to have to want to be inside of this innovation district. And the hope is, I think, that there would be an almost symbiotic nature to some of these um, industries that would go into the innovation park, that they would all kind of work together, and that having these others near them uh, would offset, you know, the value of having these other industries near them would then offset the additional kind of millage that they have to pay. Um, But again, this is a significant, this is going to be hundreds of acres, 700-ish acres, I think, when it's all said and done between the innovation district, the multifamily, and then the the single-family development that would uh, be built, I think, to the north of of, uh, that railroad line. I know you said with the silos at Marysville development, among the current council members, they've been mostly receptive to it. It doesn't seem like there's been a lot of opposition or pushback. I know this is very different. It's not redevelopment. It's just new development, it seems like. Um, What has the sentiment among council been at this point? And I know both of these are in very, very early stages, so things can develop and change, but just out of curiosity, um, what's that been like? So I want to make a a distinction. The silos at Marysville is already at second reading, and we'll have a third reading, and it will be the current city council that will approve or reject that agreement. The Marysville East first annexation and and rezoning was at a first reading last night. So it will have a second reading in front of the current council, but it will be the new council 
that will approve or reject the annexation and rezoning. And um, do you think there's any potential they could try to approve by emergency at a second reading? You know, not covering Marysville. I don't know, like how common that is. Or I think that there's enough of a of an awareness right now that running that through would be a bad idea. Um, you know, and I, I get why current city council who may understand the process a little bit better mm-hmm. and current administration who says, hey, we we understand what's happening here and we don't want this to get caught up in new council member confusion. You know, th- it would have to be approved literally at their first meeting. Yeah, and not, I'm not trying to imply it would be like malicious or no, anything, no, I, but just, oh, this group has been here through this process. We understand this. Yeah, I'd motion to pass this by emergency. I this was just is, curious if you... Could this is feeding that a, happening. this is feeding a baby a steak. I mean, that's their first meeting is going to be <laughs> here's this massive thing that is wildly complicated, and you have to make a decision that will have you know twenty and thirty and fifty year impacts on you know, and you you don't even have your chair adjusted to the right height yet, right? Like that's <laughs> right. the that's where they are. Uh, their first the first time their butt hits the seat at that dais, they're going to have to make a decision that is obviously very significant. So I, I do understand what you're saying. And maybe in years past, given kind of the climate right now, I think with the, uh, with the referendum, and I, I know, I know from talking to, to Mike that there are other individuals sniffing around about referenduming other projects and, um, you know, kind of the way that, uh, Jerome went with once a, once a referendum is successful, People kind of get a taste for it. Um, well, and even the the notion of the the council switching over, you know, we've talked about on the podcast, we wrote in the newspaper mm-hmm. that a lot of that feels a little bit like, you know, a, a counter to, you know, the residents or the public not feeling like council or the administration or whomever is listening to what they want. And, you know, that's enough. Yeah, it's not a – doesn't feel a little bit. It feels a lot like that's right. what, and that that's what this was. So, the, so a purge, yeah. Yeah, these are options to to do something about it, uh, right or wrong. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's an awareness. While maybe in years past that would have been a a consideration. And if, if there was a one-person or maybe even a two-person switch where you had a, a mm-hmm. council member that retired and a very similar-minded council member coming in – you could do that. Bring them up to speed and right. just kind of – This is this complete is, turnover yep. pretty much. But then also in the city's defense, <laughs> it, if they do any of this, it's going to feel like they're trying to fast track it. And so it, it is kind of a tough right. spot for, for either side. Oh, yeah. I mean it, I feel for those for those new council members. I know that they have sat down. They have met with the developer and are going to, I think, have another meeting with the developer. Um, so they will not be unaware. And those um, – the, the newly elected council members have been at city council the last several weeks, obviously since they've been elected. They are working to to get up to speed. And I um, I think they're going to be more informed than any other council member I've ever seen stepping into the first day. That said, this is a really big project with a lot of uh, moving parts and a lot of ramifications. And, and it's really hard to wrap your mind around a a master plan community because if you think back to the first annexation of land for or the first pot of land for Jerome Village 
it would be very, very difficult to envision what Jerome Village has turned into when they said, hey, we'd like to put this you know, this pod, uh, this 200-acre pod. This little subdivision. Yeah, there. this little mm-hmm. subdivision. We we think it'll get bigger, yeah, right? And now it feels like Jerome Village is almost its own entity. Like, uh, yeah. yes. I know I driving mean, into Marysville the other day, there was a billboard for, like, plumbing or HVAC mm-hmm. or something, and it was, like, servicing Marysville, Dublin, Plain City, and Jerome Village. Right. And it's just funny that, like, it's that much of a thing. Yes. That. I mean, yeah. it's that much of a thing that it basically has shifted the tax base in this county because of, because of that single area. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. in the, in the, the cost and you of have housing. one of the main developers behind Jerome Village yes. is leading the charge for this. Y- yes. So you can see a lot of parallels. That, and, yeah, it's exactly. Yes. And I, I do want to say that that um, the fact that Rockford Development, that um, and Bart Barrick, who, who spearheaded and I, I don't want to say did – Right. But with Jerome, nationwide realty, for, yes, and he's mm-hmm. talked about that having nationwide realty behind him, and he, he said this last night. He said, you know, with nationwide realty, if you make a mistake, you can almost buy your way out of that mistake. You can, <laughs> you can throw enough money to fix a mistake with nationwide realty. He said, but I learned a lot there, and going to bring a lot of those lessons to the Marysville East project if it moves forward. So, um, I, my background obviously was in you know, the Builders Association and looking at Jerome Village, it is one of the best designed, best um, planned communities in the country. Like they did it right. It is huge that it is huge, but you know, they created kind of different levels of housing. They all start much, much higher than, than my level of housing does, but there's a variety of levels of housing. There's land for schools, there's land for, you know, kind of commerce there. Um, you know, they built the fire station, right? Like they did a lot of good They're things. They're having the world's biggest Kroger or however that was yeah, described. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of things <laughs> happening and they're doing some things right. Um, and that development to a large degree is in fact paying for itself because of that that CRA. They are able to, or not CRA, excuse me, because of that community authority, they're able to put some amenities in and to put infrastructure in that, frankly, the county would not be able to do if they wouldn't need it either. But they wouldn't be <laughs> able to they wouldn't be able to do it if there wasn't the community authority there. So that's one of the tricky things. Like in hearing something like this, it feels it feels a way. It, from the city center enough to where it's like a lot of the stuff that it was that it would be bringing feels like it would benefit the people who aren't here yet. Yes, um, I think you're right. Which I think it might be a little bit of a tough sell. And I, I don't know if this is maybe too much of a wrench or something, but like, where does this kind of thing fit into the city's comprehensive plan or strategic plan in terms of like that feels like land that is absolutely there to be developed and yes. and, and something could go there, but something of this size it feels like. You know, if this isn't part of the the comp plan, like bolting on this giant new space on the edge of the city that wasn't that you know that you have to add land to in order to make it happen, feels like, well, we maybe we could have waited a little while to do something like this. Yeah. So you are correct, and but but also the the, the answer is more complicated than that. Uh, at the very corner of the. Marysville East development. There is a one acre plot of land, one and a half acre plot of land that has a 
sewer lift station, a sewer pump station. Yeah, they're uh, just building it right yep, now. The city and the city built it. It's a fifteen million dollar project. The city built it with the anticipation that development was going to happen there. The city put the infrastructure, obviously significant pipes, water pipes, sewer pipes, to the Watkins Glen area with the understanding that eventually it's going to be extended. They're building this pump plant there specifically to service development that isn't there yet. And they will be able to service water to that area. And the more customers that they're able to add to the water facilities, right, the water billing, um, the longer they can delay raising <laughs> raising rates. Um, and they've said for years, we are going to make new residents pay for the the upgrades. Well, this is how you do it is by adding new residents. Right. Um, so they're, they've made plans for that. They want the current city council has and, – and city councils for the last, you know, whatever, almost, you know, decade and a half maybe – um, have said that they want development to occur around the city almost equally, right? So obviously to the north, you have Mill Valley, uh, and then you have the you know Cooks Point and the Pulte development that's on the other side of 31 across from Mill Valley. You have Scott's Farm. Um, and then further east, you know, you would have this development. On the west side, you would have kind of Skybrook and... Um, they've talked about, you know, increasing that. Obviously, to the north, they had anticipated that the development on 245 would move forward um, with uh, the Stillwater development yeah. um, that, that was recently referendum. Um, but they put infrastructure kind of at the edge of the city with anticipation that it would move forward. So the city wants development to happen to ring the city kind of equally. The current comprehensive plan calls for residential to kind of go where the industrial would be and but uh, Rockford has said you need the the innovation district you need the industrial to pay for the housing housing costs a city city does not make money the city loses money on houses the school district loses money on houses you have to be able to create a strong uh, tax base using you know industry that doesn't put any any students into the schools create that tax base with the industry and then that allows for residential to move in and they've said hey um, we are going to move forward with residential but we want to get this industrial in first so that we can pay for the 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 needed changes and the the infrastructure and for the schools and for a variety of things um, so that it makes more sense, right? No, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you, you. Every time we see a, a new development come in, it feels like it's. Although, although I guess the um, the mixed use stuff is becoming a kind of thing we're seeing a little bit more often. That they they're going to try to blend. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. More. Um, I'm not totally sure what the the uh, the long term intent of mixed use is. Right. And sometimes it feels. Yeah, just like some, a, yes, to do whatever that's we what want, it basically. Like. Um, and. <laughs> And they have created, rather than moving forward with kind of straight rezoning, uh, both of the the silos at Marysville and Marysville East is creating a planned unit development that would allow them to essentially create their own development standards and zoning code. But as as you said, Kayleen, um, down in Jerome Village, 
that PUD, the zoning code that they've created for the PUD is in a lot of areas um, nicer. I don't want to say, I don't know. More stringent. It's more stringent, yes, um, than straight zoning within the, the township would be. You know, township zoning tends to be non-specific. you know, and um, but what they have a very specific plan. Um, so I think that's where I think that's where that is, is that they're going to have this planned unit development. So um, I think it'll look nice and all kind of all work together. I don't know what happens if, you know, part of it gets approved and part of it doesn't or. Right. Would they move forward if one annexation was approved, but annexation two and three are not approved? Is it still profitable for the company or do they abandon plans at that point? It feels like it feels like this is going to be an all or nothing kind of proposition that the only way this works. If there's that much vision moving forward. Yeah. But that it all each piece hinges on the other pieces. It's a, you know almost an arc where you have mm-hmm. all of it leaning. As long as it's all leaning against each other, the numbers make sense. But right. if if you pull any piece of it out, it it falls apart. So, um, but they're, again, they're talking about that this is a this is a twenty to thirty year build out for all of this. So, you know. I won't be here probably. I don't, I don't expect to be still working, but maybe, you know. I never know. Um, the, way I, the way I drive, me being here is a, you know, <laughs> dicey proposition. You know, Kayleen takes care of herself. She'll still be around. But so. Yeah, it'll be interesting moving forward to see the future of both of these. And I think we've seen among residents kind of a pushback against growth recently. So I'm personally interested to see is that in relation to all growth, no matter what, or are people more accepting of redevelopment of existing properties and kind of revitalization yeah. as opposed to just new, new development. So I know these are very different in many ways, but I feel like that's the the big point. So yes. I'm curious to see how residents feel about kind of giving new life to the uptown because I know there are plenty of residents who are like, we don't want more houses. Right. So there's yeah. going to be, and that's, that's not everyone, but I know there's going to be that. But there was, it was fifty five percent of it. It was fifty five percent of everyone yeah, in, right. at the so election. So I'm sure that those opinions will be voiced regarding Marysville East. But I'm curious if there will be that strong of a pushback against the silos at Marysville also. So I'm just interested to see. <laughs> yeah, I am really interested to see how council, how the new council deals with it, because. You know, obviously, I've covered you know city councils for almost three decades, and sometimes it can take a while before you really start to get a feel for what everyone believes and what their philosophy is and what they see as the vision for. Right. And a lot of times, they kind of will be quiet and not have to say anything for a while. But because there are three of them, and because so much is coming right now, right, we are going to get a very quick picture of what it is that they see, what it is that they want for the community, where they're going to be. Um, you know, you look at Marysville East and if you um, if you look at what Jerome has done, you, you know, I, I think BART can do that. I think Rockford Development can kind of recreate aspects of that. I think, you know, the um, New Albany, you know, company has certainly has the money to do it. Um, so, this will be about as well thought out, I think, a project as you're going to see for that 
area, you're going to see the a significant master plan community. This isn't buying 100 acres and putting 100 houses on it and then buying another 100 acres and putting very different, you know, 70 different kinds of houses. And right. it's not it's not going to look like that. It's not going to be patchwork. It is all going to be a big, cohesive development. So if that's what you want, if you're okay with development, this is about as good as you're going to get. But if you're opposed to development, this is going to be a huge development. Right. And and I see I can see both sides. If you are just kind of, hey, I get it. You're doing something great, but we don't want something new. You know, we we just feel like this is too fast. I can see them rejecting it, but I can also see them saying, hey, we don't oppose development. And this is about as good as we're going to get. This is the right project at the right time. So let's move forward with it. We'll see what – we're going to get a quick look at what council is going to be. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of developers paying attention to what right. – to, to the next three weeks in Marysville City Council uh, because they're going to tell you a lot about the future of Marysville uh, and, and where council is going, where the city is going. Um what council does and then obviously what the community how the community responds whether you know obviously referendums or moves forward with kind of um opposition so it's really it's really interesting this is about yeah. as an interesting a time um the meetings have been frustrating because they've been quite long <laughs> right. um but a lot of good stuff a lot of really interesting stuff as a as a reporter it, it keeps me you know, right. sometimes you, you leave a meeting and think, I don't know what I'm going to write about. Right. Um, this has not been a, pro- a problem. It's about so. always have some kind yeah. of. Yeah. We've not had a, a whole lot of opportunity for kind of a pushback. There has been pushback at Planning Commission. There has been a little bit of pushback at City Council. Um, some residents from Buxton Meadows have come in and said, hey, we don't want this abutting our property. Right. There have been some some people from outside of the area not in the city, not anywhere near Buxton Meadows that have said, we don't want this. And, you know, you look at what they do and that's, they don't want anything. Like that's, right. there's a couple individuals who have come out and been very vocal against this project and said, well, we, you know, we don't like the in its current form. And that's just disingenuous. Like they just don't want anything. Right. They don't live near it. They don't vote in the community. Um, they just don't want, you know, they don't want any change. They don't want any development in the area, um, and so you know that's kind of where that's kind of where they are. Like it's, it, it's tough because it you know you you want to grow the community. We've always talked about you know smart controlled growth, mm-hmm. but sometimes this stuff does feel you know in those people's defense, it does feel a little bit like hey I'm thirsty, can I get a drink of water? And they just hit you in the face with a fire hose. And right. You're like, well, that's not. Um, Neither helpful nor quenches my thirst. No. <laughs> All it does is just you know makes throw, me mad. And, yeah, throws everything off. And so, you know, and I think the the conventional wisdom for a long time has been you know suburban sprawl. Not that that's what this is, but um, that any kind of development in that nature is is generally a negative thing in terms of how things are planned or developed. And this just feels like let's add another million people over here and another million people over there and 6,000 million things over here. And you're just like, good Lord. If you're opposed to urban sprawl, though, the silos at Marysville Project should be kind of right up your alley of, well, this isn't urban sprawl. This is redeveloping existing urban yeah. urban yeah, yeah. area. So, Well, uh, urban sprawl, not so, you know, in a place yeah. like Marysville. Suburban sprawl, however. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's... 
there's a lot of things that go into that. Right. And I will say this about uh, Rockford Development and Bart Barrick, you know, um, I know that he's met with the residents at Buxton Meadows uh, at least once and I think multiple times. I know that down in Jerome, uh, he was very active in meeting with kind of the people who the people who were opposed to Jerome Village and um, with each new kind of pod and each new annexation, there would be kind of renewed new conversations. Yes, renewed <laughs> conversation of well, we don't want this and isn't this enough? And um, and every time Bart would sit down and have those conversations with them. And I, I think Kayleen, you can kind of talk to this as well because. It's Kind of Jerome Village started when I was there. Uh, kind of progressed, has progressed, and now is still kind of continuing. But um, I think a lot of the residents respect him, even if they disagree with him. They appreciate that he sits down and talks with them. And at the end of the meeting, they say, "All right, we appreciate that you sat down and talked with us. We still disagree, and we don't want this, but." At least you're thinking about us. Yeah. Is that fair, Kayleen? Yeah, I haven't been there for much of the beginnings of, well, any of the beginnings of Jerome Village, but I have seen with different developments, Bart has been involved with it. It seems like there have been resident meetings and things like that. So at at least there's an effort. Yeah, right. In some cases, I think that's, you know, people are always going to have their opinions, but, you know, if you at least make an effort to say, hey, we get it, you know, we're going to try to make it. You know, as I said before, the other thing is sometimes when you see these developments come in, you're like, yeah, this is great. And maybe it's part of the city's plan or whatever, but like, I live, you know, 15, 20 minutes away or, or whatever. And it's like, well, why, why should I agree with this? This doesn't really benefit me. So to have a developer come in and say, hey, we understand where all your concerns are coming from. This is our plan. This is what we're going to try to do. Um, at least takes those concerns and doesn't just kind of disregard yeah. that people are, you know, seeing this big change. And, and uh, the other thing that Bart has said is that the payments that would be made to the schools uh, would be – significant uh, <laughs> that they would be you know game changers for these for the school district and not Which only is good because that that has not been the case correct you know, correct that's it, not been the trend for a lot of the stuff lately but that that they would the pilot payments would be so significant that it would reduce the amount that the district had to ask from those residents who don't live anywhere near it right. there's the benefit to them is that their schools get better Without them needing to kick in any extra money, right? Um, Which should be the case, <laughs> right? Absolutely, uh, but that also trails get connected and parks get better, and sure. you know all of those things happen. And without you know any any cost to the current resident, so at least that's what they're that's what they're saying. Um, we'll know in twenty years, or right. or in or in three <laughs> weeks whether you know right. There's a chance again that the new council comes in and says, yeah. No, or no, not right now. Right. Um, and, you know, we could be writing about this for the next 30 years. We could, it could all go away by Valentine's Day. So, right. who knows? All right. Well, that's going to be the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information and thanks to everyone out there for listening. Of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Axion Energia, for sponsoring the podcast. If you like what you hear, please be sure and subscribe to the show. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and lots of other places where podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week and we'll see you on Thursday.